Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Amen. So, delighted to be before you and uh, just confident that God wants to speak to us today. Amen. And isn't it good to be able to freely gather and worship and lift up the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. And we can't ever take that for granted. And I don't know if you think you're alone, but you're not because look around. There's people all around you that care for you, here to stand with you, pray with you, and see you get to God's high calling in your life. Amen? Amen. Well, as we conclude the series we've been in here in the month of August, Too Loved to Be Lost. Going to conclude it, and um, I want to go to Psalms 107, and that's going to provide the main text of what the Lord has led me to in my study and preparation this week as we conclude this series, Too Loved to Be Lost. I want to read up front the final scripture of Psalms 107. 107, verse 43. Psalms 107, 43. And we'll camp out there today. It says, Whoever is wise will observe these things. The Bible is clear. There's never wisdom without observation. Or better yet, actually putting it into practice. That's what makes wisdom, wisdom. That's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom isn't wisdom until you observe it, until you apply it. It says, whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Today, I want to preach a message to you titled, A Tree in Their Path. Will you say that with me? A Tree in Their Path. I want to pray. Father, I thank you that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the king of the kingdom, and he's the Lord of this church. He's the foundation, the circumference. He holds it together, and we exalt you. We thank you for your sufficiency. We thank you. You build your church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask, as humble as we know how, that you would come and apply the victory of Jesus to hearts, to minds, to families, to marriages. I yield myself to you. May Christ be manifested. We give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to continue reading up front. You know, Paul told Timothy, he said, give yourself to reading. I want to read a large portion of the book of Psalms in Psalms 107. And I want to start in verse 1. Psalms 107, verse 1, as we conclude this series. In verse 1, the psalmist says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. That's why we sang that today, trying to help you out. Trying to get you in the right spirit and the right mindset for the word of God. But he says, oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Then you skip down all the way to verse 27. The psalmist continues talking about the world that he sees, the world around him. He says, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. Flip on down to verse 35. He, God, turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. 
There he makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields and plant vineyards that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them. They multiply greatly. He does not let their cattle decrease. And then the psalmist concludes where we started off. Whoever is wise will observe these things and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. The first thing I want to say from this Psalms today is let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The psalmist starts off and says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord, let those that have been already brought back from where sin had gathered you, let those that's already been brought back to where sin has driven you, let those that's already been redeemed and brought back to God their creator from the places of barrenness and wilderness living, the places where you were staggering and at your wit's end, let those that already know the kindness and the goodness of God, that know his mercy endures forever, let them go ahead and say so. Do you say so this morning? Regardless of what your circumstances are saying, regardless of what's happening around you, do you still say today that the Lord is good? He's not good just because of the circumstances are good in your life, but he is good, he's always good, he's unchanging, and his love endures forever as well as his mercy. Up front today, if you're going to get anything out of what God's put in me, we got to get together as a corporate dwelling place that we together say let the redeemed of the Lord say so we got to say up front today that it was the Lord's loving kindness that has redeemed us see oftentimes we think that it was our good works that led us to a place where God finally had mercy upon us some of us think that we found God no 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 we need to up front today understand that it was God who found us we were staggering we were lost we had turned to our own ways but the Lord in his goodness and his mercy has redeemed us it is his Lord it's the Lord's loving kindness that has gathered us. He's gathered some of us from the north. He's gathered some of us from the south. He's gathered some of us from the east and the west. But it is the Lord's goodness that has now gathered us in Christ, gathered us together in his body. It is the Lord's goodness that has redeemed us from wandering in the wilderness, redeemed us from the desolate way, redeemed us from the path that leads to destruction and to more heartache and pain. We have to say that it's the Lord's mercy that he's leading us the right day, uh, the right way that he's led us to a place to find a community to find fellowship with brothers and sisters that's following the lamb wherever he goes I think about what God told the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 31 2 he says the Lord has appeared of old to me saying yes I have loved you with an everlasting love therefore with loving kindness I have drawn you speaking of Israel of course, Paul makes it clear that all God did with the natural Israel was a type and a foreshadow that we would find fulfillment now in the substance of Christ, in the reality of Christ. Notice God says it's with an everlasting love that I have drawn you. Do you realize today, if you know Jesus Christ, it's because it's the everlasting love. It's the loving kindness of God that has drawn you, drawn you to repentance, drawn you to change your mind, drawn you from changing your dwelling in a wilderness and dwelling in your own selfish ways and dwelling in trying to find satisfaction in the world. It is the loving kindness of the, of the Lord that's drawn you. Do you say so today? Do you say that it's his loving kindness? Do you say today that we were too loved to be lost? See, you got to understand that believing precedes speaking correctly. If we get the wrong belief regarding why we're saved today, why we know Jesus today, if we don't believe that it's the loving kindness that has drawn us, then we won't be able to speak right. See, you got to believe right to say it right. You got to believe it right to say it right. When I think about believing it right, and when I think about let the redeemed of the Lord say so, I think of a man named Jonah. See, Jonah wouldn't worship God for who he was. 
Jonah wouldn't obey God for who he was. See, in Jonah 4.2, listen what Jonah says. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was it not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish. For I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. See, Jonah was redeemed, but he wouldn't say that God is still saving. Jonah was okay to be saved. He just didn't want those that he despised those that he wanted to be judged, those that he thought should experience failure, he didn't want the Lord to save them. See, it's one thing to be redeemed. It's another thing to not only say, yes, it's the loving kindness of God that has drawn me, but it's also the loving kindness of God still drawing people around me. See, the question we got to ask ourselves up front is, will you obey him? knowing he is abundant and loving kindness, and therefore he's still saving. See, Jonah was okay that God saved him. Jonah just wasn't okay for God to keep saving, for God to keep reaching, for God to keep redeeming, for the loving kindness and the mercy of the Lord to continue to be extended. So we also, as the redeemed, not only need to say it's the redeemed The redemption is the loving kindness of the Lord that's redeemed us. But we also, as the redeemed of the Lord, need to say he's still saving. Number two today is we need to understand he's still saving. Notice what the psalm said in verse 3. And gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. They... Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Not only was I, not only were you, not only were all of us here today that's born again too loved to be lost, but there's still others around us that are too loved to be lost. They're too loved to be lost. They're too loved to stay in the north, and the south, and the east, and the west of their sin. They're too loved to be lost. Can we still say today that there are others like we used to be? That there are others that's dwelling in wildernesses of sin? There are others that are wandering in desolation? There are others that are not finding a community uh, that accepts them and will stand with them and believe God's best for them? Will we still say that there are hungry and thirsty people all around us. Will we still say that there are famished souls in distress and in trouble around us? Will we say today that God is still saving such people? Will we say it? See, as a church, as a dwelling place, and as the people of God, we can't ever stop saying that God is still saving. We can't ever start believing that God's mercy and his love is no longer enduring. Can I just do a news alert this morning that we're still living in the dispensation of grace, that we're still in a day that is the day of salvation, that it's not too late for those that are staggering, for those that are at wit's end, for those that are in desolation and in distress, that it's not too late for the loving kindness of God to reach them, for the mercy of God to find them for them to be drawn to the Lord and to find redemption it's not too late but is that what we're saying as a church is that what we're saying with our life is that what we're saying with our belief that he's still saving such people that the Lord is still leading people in the right way today that he is still desiring to provide dwelling places communities of believers for them are we still saying that Verse 9 says, he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
See, he's still saving the longing soul today. He's still saving the hungry soul today. He's still saving people from dead religion and the burden of of legalism today. He's still saving people from toxic church cultures and drawing people to a dwelling place where they can find life and find fulfillment in Jesus Christ. Are we saying so today that he's still doing it? That he still desires it? That he's still saving? Are we saying today that there are still others to love to be lost? Verse 27, it says, they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wits end. Then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and he brings them out of their distresses. Are we saying that it is the Lord's loving kindness that's still drawing people today? See, listen, we're a church that's going to continue to say he's still saving. I don't care how dark you think America gets. I don't care how dark you think the nations of the world get. As long as we're in this age waiting for the return of Jesus Christ, our Lord's loving kindness is still drawing people. His mercy still endures. He's still saving people. He's still rescuing people. He's still leading people in the right way. Yes, it is dark in the last days, but that doesn't, does not change Jesus' light. The depth of darkness does not change the light of God. It actually just makes his light that much more visible. See, the depth of hate does not change the depth of God's love. It actually just makes his love that much more visible. We got to say so as a church. This isn't a church that's going to allow a culture to come in where all we focus on is the darkness around us as if that darkness changes Jesus, as if that darkness changes the mercy of God, as if that darkness changes the power of God that draws people into salvation, that Jesus is still delivering, Jesus is still healing marriages, Jesus is still raising up people to be filled with the Spirit, Jesus is still calling people to plant churches and to be missionaries, He's still calling preachers and fivefold ministers today. He is still saving. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. See, we got to let the redeemed of the Lord say so, that he is still going to gather out of the lands. He's still going to gather out of the north. He's still going to gather out of the south. He's still going to gather out of the east and the west and out of the nations of the world, those that are reeling to and fro and staggering like a drunken man and are at their wits' end. He's still drawing them by his loving kindness. He's still going to gather them. He's still going to build churches and see dwelling places that people can find rest and satisfaction in Jesus Christ. Do we believe it? Have we lost the vision? Have we lost the call of God on this movement? Have we lost the clarity that God and Jesus Christ is still multiplying believers, leaders, and churches? He's still doing it. He's going to do it. See, if we don't get our belief right, we will not get our speech right. And if we do not get our speech right, we will not get our hands and feet right. I'll say it again. If we don't get our belief right, we will not get our speech right. And if we do not get our speech right, we will not get our hands and feet right. Because once the redeemed of the Lord individually learns to keep saying so in all seasons, in all trials... It doesn't change that the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. What I'm going through and where I'm at doesn't change that the Lord's already redeemed me. So I'm going to go ahead and say so. But also as a community, we got to say that He's still saving. He's still multiplying believers, leaders, and churches. He's still drawing people out of the nations of the world into communities that can make mature disciples as Jesus Christ commissioned his church to be. And only when we say that correctly can we, number three, begin to put a tree in their path. Notice verse 35 of Psalms 107. He turns the wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell 
that they may establish a city for a dwelling place and sow fields. Everybody say sow. And plant vineyards. Everybody say plant. That they may yield a fruitful. Everybody say fruitful harvest. He also blesses them and they multiply greatly and he does not let their cattle decrease. See, we're called to fruitfulness, Jesus folk. We're called to fruitfulness, disciples. We have been predetermined in Christ for a fruit-producing path. When you got born again, you've been created for fruitfulness. You have been created for good works in Christ Jesus. Notice what the psalmist says. We have been created and called to sow fields to plant seeds, to plant vineyards. But in order for there to be a harvest, a fruitful harvest, there must be the sowing. There must be the planting for a yield. See, this is putting a tree in their path. In whose path? In those that the Lord is still saving. In those that are too loved to be lost. In those that currently are staggering to and fro and at their wit's end. This is learning to put a tree in their path. Did you know that the first mention of love in the Bible is regarding seed? In fact, in Genesis 22 and verse 2 is the first place you find love in the Hebrew Bible. It says, then he said, take now your son, your seed, your only son, your only seed, Isaac, whom you love. This is God talking to Abram. Whom you love and go to the land of Moriah, watch this, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Notice the connection. The first time the Bible speaks of love, it's connected to seed, to sacrificing from sowing seed. See, listen to me. The love of God cannot be disconnected from the seed of God. Love and seed has been forever connected. Love came down from heaven in a seed, a man named Jesus Christ, the seed of God. What does this mean? It means, listen, love cost us something. Because sowing seed cost us something. Notice what God told Abraham. It's your only seed. It's your only son. But if you don't plant and sow that seed, then there can't be a fruitful harvest. There can't be other people that are too loved to be lost coming to know the mercy and the loving kindness and the redemption of God. It's the same with us today. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about the cost of love. I'm talking about the cost of cross-bearing. The cost of you no longer living for yourself but on a mission empowered by Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit towards those that are staggering to and fro, to those that are at their wit's end. See, that's where leaning on your own understanding gets you. It gets you to your wit's end. Listen, you cannot separate loving others from sacrificial seed sowing. Sowing your time. Sowing your intercessions of prayer. Sowing. Cross-bearing. In the lives of those around us. When I think about a tree in their path, I think of a man named Zacchaeus, that wee little man. Of how here he is staggering to and fro. A chief tax collector. Yet he's still at his wit's end. He's climbed the ladder of success according to the culture around him. He finds him at the chief in his career at the top of it, and yet he's still not fulfilled. He still has a longing. He still has an emptiness. And I think about how when Jesus was passing through and Zacchaeus desired to encounter the loving kindness and the mercy of the Lord that endures forever, that someone had planted a seed that became a tree, and because the seed was sown and the tree grew, that someone put a tree in Zacchaeus's path and it caused him to encounter the kindness and the goodness and the loving kindness of God. There's got to be someone to sow a seed. 
a seed that becomes a tree in their path because they're staggering to and fro. They don't know how to get around the crowd of what's taking place in their life. They don't know how to get out of the barrenness and the wilderness and the emptiness that they find themselves dwelling in. And someone's got to plant a tree in their path. Someone had to plant a tree for Zacchaeus to be able to experience the goodness of God. Can I tell you today that in Woodstock and in Marietta and in Canton and Ackworth and Cartersville, and to the nations of the earth that someone's got to sow a seed that becomes a tree in their path because they're staggering but they're too loved to be lost. The Lord's still saving such people. He's still gathering such people into dwelling places where he can dwell in them and among them and cause his loving kindness to be extended. And I just feel back from the future today. I just feel that I'm back from where vision's already got me. Just to update you that the Lord's still saving in the north, that the Lord's still saving in the south, that the Lord's still saving in the east and in the western nations, that he's still gathering people and he's building them into a dwelling place for his spirit, that people are finding satisfaction and rest and redemption in the Lord, that all around the nations of the world, the Lord's still saving and they're still the redeemed saying he's good. It doesn't matter how dark it gets, he's good. It doesn't matter how gloom is, he's good and his mercy endures forever. Someone sowed a seed that became a tree in the path of Zacchaeus. Did you know the Bible uses the picture of a tree to represent people several times? Jesus did it. It's a good place to start. John the Baptist did it. Psalms 1 did it. And Jesus said, the sons of the kingdom of God are God's seeds. And listen, the Bible makes it clear, good seeds, that's God's seeds, God's kids, are meant to grow into good trees. Are meant to grow into good trees. Let me read you one, Isaiah 61 and verse 3. Talking about the work of Jesus Christ who had come, now has come. We look back to what Isaiah said, to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That they may be called trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. The apostle Paul spoke of the fruit of righteousness. He spoke of the fruit of righteousness that is to be formed on the trees of righteousness. See, listen. You're a tree of righteousness planted by the Father in His kingdom through Jesus Christ and the regeneration of the Holy Spirit if you're born again and say so today. But now as a planted tree of righteousness on your life, on the tree of righteousness, is to be formed the fruits of righteousness. And when the fruits of righteousness get formed on the trees of righteousness, then you have the love of God running its full course in a person's life. You remember the Apostle John talked about love being completed, love reaching maturity in our life, love reaching perfection. And when the fruit of righteousness is formed consistently on the trees of righteousness then you have the love of God becoming complete in your life, in my life, in our life. The love of God that has redeemed us is now being extended through us. The fruits of righteousness are now formed on the trees of righteousness. So let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord still say, despite what's taking place around us, that the Lord is still saving. Let the redeemed of the Lord understand that we got to put a tree in their path. And then number four, let the redeemed of the Lord understand 
Wisdom is the way to put a tree in their path. Look at Proverbs 11 and verse 30. The spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit says, the fruit of the righteous, the fruit of the children of God, the fruit of the good seeds that have allowed the love of God to grow them to become a fruit-bearing tree. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Watch this. And he who wins souls is wise. What is the spirit of wisdom saying? It takes wisdom to win souls. And the way of wisdom to win souls is through the fruit of the righteous that becomes a tree of life for others. The fruit of the wise, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Why? Because the fruit of righteousness has in the fruit seed that can grow up and become the tree of life. What tree of life, Chad? The tree of life in Genesis 3. That because of our sin, we got banished from. Where God, after Adam transgressed and Eve was deceived, he put them out of the garden and he put an angel with flaming swords guarding the way to the tree of life. At least they should eat it and live forever in a state that God did not intend for us to be. And the righteous trees, you and I, when we let the love of God bring us to completion so that now there's the fruit of righteousness on our life as a tree of righteousness, in that fruit there is seeds that grow up to become a tree in their path just like someone sowed a seed that became a tree in Zacchaeus' path. And then people though they're staggering and they're lost and they're weary and they're at their wit's end, they have a tree, the tree of life, put in their path. They realize I don't have to stay this way. They realize the God of love is reaching out to me, that his loving kindness is drawing me, that there still is mercy, there still is newness of life available for me, that I can still be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and come into the kingdom of light. See, listen... The tree of life eaten is a soul won back to the Lord. But how did that tree of life be put in their path? Someone had to sow a seed. Some tree of righteousness, you, me, us, had allowed the fruit of righteousness to get formed in our life to bear the fruit of righteousness so that as that fruit is falling off our life, in the fruit is the seed that grows up in their path, showing them the way to the tree of life. Jesus said, whoever eats of that tree of him will never perish. They'll pass from death to life. It's what was lost in the garden in Eden, in Genesis in the beginning, being placed back in their path. But we must ask ourselves today, is wisdom too lost to be found in your life? Or is wisdom too loved to be lost in your life? Because wisdom is the way to put a tree in their path. I love what Proverbs 8 and 17 says. The spirit of wisdom calls out in the byways and the highways and the concourses of the cities Proverbs says. And here's what the spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit says. I love those who love me. And those who seek me diligently will find me. The Spirit of Wisdom, the Holy Spirit says, I love those who love me. See, the Holy Spirit is pictured in Scripture as a dove. Not forcing His will on us. Not forcing His will on me. Not forcing His will on you. But if you search for the dove, if you desire the dove, if you desire wisdom, if you love wisdom, the Holy Spirit will love you. He'll empower you. He'll dwell in you. He'll give you wisdom on how to put a tree in the path 
of those staggering around you, those hurting around you, those that are wandering and lost around you. And see, listen, without the Holy Spirit, without God's wisdom, there is no soul winning, no true soul winning. And without the Holy Spirit, there's no fruit on the trees. That's why it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there can be no fruit of the Spirit displayed in my life and in your life. And people are staggering to and fro at their wit's end, and what they need is a tree in their path. They need the cross of Christ, this tree practically put in their path. They're staggering. They can't find it on their own. They're lost. They're captured. They're deceived by the God of this world, Satan, who's been defeated. But it's blinding them, lest they should believe. The question then becomes, how has the love of God called you to be a part? How has the love of God called you to be a part of putting a tree by wisdom, by the power of the Holy Spirit in the paths of those that are staggering? Because the Lord is still going to save today. The Holy Spirit is still going to flow through the church today. All the nations of the world shall have from every tongue and tribe a remnant that says we are the redeemed of the Lord and we say so. The question is, is will you be a tree that he can live through? Will you be a vessel for his power and his dove to abide in and flow through where you learn by wisdom to put a tree in their path. How has the love of God called you to be a part? Here's how. Plant a tree and be a tree. How do you plant a tree? You have to sow a seed. The love of God has called you to start sowing seeds because these seeds will go, grow into a tree for those that are around us to see clearly the cross of Christ. To see clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. To begin to see clearly the goodness of God. The loving kindness of God. That God is good and His mercy endures forever. For them to see that God is still saving. That He's still willing that none should perish. But that all would come to repentance. That He still desires all to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth but someone you become that someone by the power of God's spirit by the love of God growing in you become that one that's willing to plant seeds that grows up into a tree of them practically seeing the gospel of Jesus Christ before their eyes they're not here today friends they're not standing outside the door waiting to get in here today but they're in your path and you got to become a seed bearing tree in their path you got to become a seed sowing believer in their path so that though they're staggering, though they're running, though they're lost, though they're at their wits end, they find themselves running right into a tree that's been placed in their path. In their path. Because seeds become a tree of life for others. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So how has the love of God called you to be a part? Plant a tree. Start sowing seeds by allowing the fruit of righteousness to be formed in your life. To allow the inner righteousness of the new birth that God's given you when you were born again. To allow the love of God and the salvation of God to grow to maturity. Where now the fruit of righteousness is formed on your life as a tree of righteousness. And you are having the fruit of joy and the fruit of peace and the fruit of contentment. Even in the dark world because it just is the greatest opportunity in the darkest of darkest moments to allow the light to shine the clearest. What a great opportunity. See, that's the difference that we're going to be than other of our brothers and sisters that's not understanding this. It's we're not going to walk around as a church only focused on the darkness as if the darkness doesn't allow the light to more clearly be the light. Some people think the chance is over. 
to be used of God. Some people think that he's no longer saving, that he's no longer drawing the nations to them. So, no, 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 we're not going to, in this house, say that. Because listen to me, the darker it gets, the greater the opportunity. Because when there's hate all around, and there's someone as a tree of righteousness, has let the love of God grow them to have the fruit of righteousness in their life, and they're sowing seeds of love in the midst of hate all around them, that is the clearest visible sign that there is another way, that there is another Lord, that there is another kingdom, that there is another option and a way of life. Start sowing seeds. But for many of you, you can also, by plant, planting a church, put a tree in their path. Plant a tree. See, a tree has branches. And a church is a living tree with living branches reaching out to those around them that are staggering and lost, bearing fruit, manifesting Christ in many ways to many people. Some of you in those listening, and please, I know you tell people about the podcasts and all this, and I don't have because of time to fill you in of all that's happening uh, behind the scenes and dwelling place movement. But listen, you, please have everybody listen to this that you know of on podcasts. Because God is calling people right now to not just be a tree, but to plant a tree. To plan a place that will reach out to those that are staggering and lost in the north and the south and the east and the west. A place where people can gather under the banner of Jesus Christ and find acceptance and find deliverance and find fulfillment and find a place that will intentionally disciple and serve them to reach their high calling in Jesus Christ. God's calling you today, many of you today, to plant a church. A ministry that reaches out, a ministry that manifests Christ in many ways. There are many fruits of righteousness to many people. But the truth of the matter is, is not everybody here will plant a church, and that's great and awesome. So what do you do if you're not called to plant a tree, to plant a church? What do you do to put a tree in their path? Listen, first you get planted in a tree. You get planted in a church. Jesus said that our light has to be put on a lampstand. Jesus wants your ministry and your calling to, to spring out of a place he's planted you. Secondly, not only get planted in a church, but be a tree. Be a tree. Listen, be an abiding believer. Don't just be a confessing believer. Yes, Jesus is Lord and one day I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. Be an abiding believer. Follow Jesus wherever he leads you. Be completely surrendered and sold out. Be on fire and in love with Jesus, your first love. Be an abiding believer that bears fruit because in the fruit is the seed. That's how you be a tree in their path. Be a person with the fruit of righteousness. Be a person that allows the love of God to flow and reach completion in your life. Be a minister, for that's what God calls you. Scripture calls every one of us in here that's born again a minister. That's already what you are. Why not go ahead and let the love of God cause you to demonstrate what the love of God's already made you? Be the practical expression of the cross, the tree of Christ right in their path. Listen to me. Yes, is growing required to be a tree? Yes. Is pruning required to be a tree? Yes. Is grace required? Is the Holy Spirit empowerment required? Is yielding required? Yes. But can I tell you like the old reader Springer song, it's going to be worth it in the end. It's going to be worth it when we stand before the Lord that day and he begins to show you things you weren't even aware of that when you be as a tree of righteousness, let the fruit of righteousness fall off your life you were bearing fruit and in the fruit was seed and so many trees grew up out of your life in people's path and you weren't even aware of it can I tell you it's going to be worth it it's going to be worth it because the people all around you are too loved to be lost when I think about that I think about Jesus in the temple Jesus is in the temple yet to his parents perception he's lost I wonder today, because see, Jesus is in my temple. Thank you, Lord. And Jesus, if you're born again, is in your temple. 
And all of us that are born again, he's in our temple. But I'm wondering today, is he lost in the temple? Is he lost in our perception that the seed that constantly can cause the fruit of righteousness to be born in our, and formed in our life is within us? Can I tell you, don't let him get lost on the inside of you that he's sufficient to keep causing the fruits of righteousness to be formed in your life. And it doesn't matter the season if it's a fiery one. It doesn't matter if the season's a cold and a bitter one. That Jesus Christ, the seed of God, is sufficient. Plant a tree. Sow seeds. Be a tree. Bear fruit. For seeds are in the fruit. And then, number five. Loving kindness is important fruit on the tree. There's all kinds of fruits, all kinds of ways to manifest Christ in many uh, in many ways to many people. But loving kindness is an important fruit on the tree. Look at Proverbs 20 and 28. Mercy and truth preserve the king. And by loving kindness, he upholds his throne. My wife and I were challenged this week in this. It's one of those messages once you get, the devil says, okay. <laughs> Let's see. But notice what it says. Loving kindness upholds his throne. Paul says as a believer... As a born-again believer, we're called to rule and reign in Christ. That means is we can grow to a place in the love of God that it doesn't matter what's happening outside of us, we still walk in the person God's made us. Jesus had a whole uh, crowd ready to throw him off the cliff and he walked right through the middle of them. I thought about that when we sang the song today, that he split the sea so I could walk right through it. So listen. What preserves our reigning as kings is what preserved the throne of Jesus when he left heaven, and that's loving kindness. Listen to me. Loving kindness, which is a fruit of the Spirit, preserves your authority and influence in the lives of those you work with, live with, live among, and are friends with. So look at Proverbs 19.22. What is desired in a man is loving kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. Listen, people need to trust you before they will trust in your Christ you seek to share. And what they desire is loving kindness in a person. What they desire is loving kindness in you because it's a cruel world. It's a dark world without the fruit of the Spirit. But we're trees of righteousness planted by the Heavenly Father with the seed of Christ that can empower us in every season, in every environment to cause the fruit of loving kindness to be formed on our life, which is a tree of righteousness. Listen to me. Loving kindness upholds your throne. It upholds your influence with them. That's why fundamentalists are in decline. Because they have no fun in loving kindness. They only have fun in being unmerciful to those that do not believe what they believe. See, they believe you have to believe like me before I'll actually be kind to you. That's not Jesus. Loving kindness, however, is always desired by men to be found in other men. It's always desired by people to be found in other people. Albert Schweitzer said, constant kindness can accomplish much. As the sun makes ice melt and kindness causes misunderstanding, mistrust, and hostility to evaporate. Proverbs 15, 4 says, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. But perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Listen to me. Your tongue with the fruit of loving kindness on it is a tree of life to those around you. The way for them to find the life that we all lost in the garden, to find a relationship with their creator through Jesus Christ, to eat and partake and possess eternal life in Christ is through trees of righteousness who allow their tongue to sow loving kindness. To those around us. See, your tongue can sow the fruit of loving kindness, and in it is the seed to reproduce others getting to a place to say so. To say that the Lord's still saving because He just saved me. To say the Lord's mercy endures forever because His mercy just was extended to me. To say the loving kindness of God is still drawing people to repentance because it just drew me. I like what the Spirit of Wisdom says in Proverbs 31, 26. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. The law of kindness. 
Some of you today, though, have been sowing seeds. Seeds of loving kindness. Seeds in the fruit of the spirit of joy and contentment and experiencing the salvation of God in your life. And, and the seeds you've been sowing in the fruit of the spirit being formed in your life. But nothing has changed, you feel, in the lives of those you've been intentionally sowing seed and living out Christ before. And the only thing you think has changed in this moment is your morale because you feel like nothing's happening. I want to speak to you for a moment. How do you overcome disappointment and lack of desire? The word of prophecy already got out of my spirit and out of even what a conversation I had last night with someone that we're talking to about church planning is perseverance. See, Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, watch this, it's a tree of life. But then Romans 5, 5 says, now hope does not disappoint. It doesn't make the heart sick. What has changed between the Old Testament and the New Testament? Because, everybody say because. The love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given us. Hope no longer leads to disappointment. Because now the love of God has been shed in our heart by the Holy Spirit. So that we don't have to end up deferred in hope with a sick heart. Why? Because of the love of God. What does that mean, Jan? Listen. It's because of the love of God that hope no longer disappoints. Because listen, because the love of God loves, because that is what love is and does. We no longer get a heart that's sick because now we're not just led by hope, we're led by the love of God. And the love of God loves because that's what love does. We don't love just in hope. We love because it's the right thing to do what God's called us and empowered us to do and we love just like God loves people regardless if they choose to continue to be his enemy we love because that's what love does and all that love is we love for love's sake I love what William Bennett said this politician at least got this quote right he said a kind and compassionate act is often its own reward the reward of you doing and manifesting who God has created you to be and what he's called you to do. In conclusion, when I was thinking about this, I thought about the legend of the three trees. This is a book that was given to my son when he was younger. And um, it starts off by saying that in the beginning, God created, created seeds and birds took seeds all over the earth and it highlights three seeds that were taken and sown by birds and by the wind. One was an olive tree. One was an oak tree. One was a pine tree. And it says the oak tree dreamed of becoming a beautiful and important treasure chest that would hold the greatest treasure in the world. But it became a manger. The oak tree dreamed its trunk would be made into a mighty ship that would carry a king, but it was chopped down and made into a little fishing boat. The pine tree hoped that its towering branches would remind people of the glory of God's creation, that it would always stay on the mountaintop and point people to God. Yet a storm hit the tree, and the lightning bolt split the tree, and it was hauled to a scrapyard to be forgotten for many years. Then it asks a question in the book. For what greatness could come to a feed box, a fishing boat, and scrap wood? But God had his own plan for each of the trees. Then it says, One night shepherds keeping watch over their flock saw an angel, a great light shone all around. The angel told them not to be afraid for their Savior had been born in Bethlehem. Just as the angel had said, the shepherds found the baby lying in a manger. Listen, the olive tree had not become a treasure chest, but now as a manger, it held the greatest treasure of all time, God's only son, Jesus.
The infant Jesus grew into a man, and the man traveled to the very lake that held the oak fishing boat. One day, the little boat carried Jesus onto the lake with the, the fishermen. Suddenly, a great storm swept over the lake. Water washed into the boat. The oak boat struggled with all of its strength so it would not sink. Quiet, be still, Jesus said. The storm stopped. The oak boat felt Jesus' power. And the boat had never carried a king of this world, but now it carried the king of kings. One day soldiers came for the forgotten pine. From the pine's trunk, they made a cross and they placed Jesus on it. On a hillside under a blackening sky, the pine cross swayed as the soldiers raised it. The cross did not know if it could bear the weight of the man upon it, but it did. That day, Jesus died on the cross to take away the sins of all who believe in him. Jesus fulfilled his heavenly Father's plan for him. And ever since, the cross points people to God as a symbol of his great love for us. And what of the three trees? They too had fulfilled God's plan for them. Watch this. It's just the band. Miraculously, God's plans had taken them beyond their youthful dreams. Sometimes the dreams that we have for ourselves are much smaller than the dreams that God has for us. The three trees' dreams came true. Watch this. Just not in the way they imagined. And so it is with each of us. For if we follow God's path, we will travel far beyond even our greatest dreams. I couldn't help but think of how we want to be used of God. But so often our interpretation of what God's put in us is wrong. It's filled with selfish ambition. It's filled with the ways of this world or the thoughts of this world that's not in God's kingdom. And you as a tree of righteousness need to understand that sometimes you as a tree are to be planted by being a manger. Sometimes as a tree, when you bear the cross, you're to be planted as a boat. Sometimes as a tree... You're to bear the cross and to actually get on the cross and bear the burdens of another. I thought about how often we feel like we're not making a difference and the devil comes and he tries to accuse and immobilize you. And, and we got to understand, listen, God saves souls through his wisdom, not through us thinking it takes a great dream and the way we want the dream to come to pass for people to come to know Him. God despises the things of the world that people pride in and He uses just trees of righteousness saying, God, I'm yours. If you want to cut me down through the cross of my life and make me a manger, if you want to make me a boat, but I just want to be a tree in the path of those that are staggering to and fro, those that are desperate, those that are at their wits end. I thought about how some of you need to let the cross... The manger be in your child rearing. Some of us need to let the cross, the boat, be in our career. Some of us need the cross to be in our ministry. And reaching out to others, listen, the cross in childbearing, the cross in our career, the cross in ministry is the wisdom of loving kindness on the journey towards the go. Some of us are so running towards the goal of being used of God that we're stumbling over the cross. That right now, you can put a tree through wisdom of loving kindness in front of the path of those around you. As a parent, the goal is to reign, to train and admonish our children that they follow the Lord. But towards the goal, I can't forget the cross. I can't forget the fruit of loving kindness in their life towards the goal. At your job, there's goals, there's standards. But I can't forget the cross of being kind to people on the journey. Too many times we're running after the goal, even in ministry, of trying to do what we think needs to happen for Christ to be known to people and for souls to be one. And we're tripping over the fruit 
of being kind and bearing the fruit of loving kindness on the journey. Because loving kindness is a key fruit. And seeing people come to know the only hope for the nations, Jesus Christ. Continually being kind while still in the constant grind. That's cross-bearing. It's the wisdom of God of how He truly, truly puts a tree in people's path. And notice where we started. We end Psalms 107.43. Whoever is wise will observe these things. And they who observe these things will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Listen, there's a new level of the Lord's loving kindness He wants you to experience. But you can't experience it until you observe these things. You can't experience it more until you learn to be a tree or plant a tree in someone's path because then you see the loving kindness flowing through you towards other people and you truly begin to understand how good the Lord is that He's still saving, that He's still redeeming people, that He's still gathering people from the north, the south, the east, and the west that are staggering. I just want some people to go ahead and say, so... In this season, say so. The Lord's redeemed me. He's good. His mercy endures forever. That you, I want to invite you to stand. I want us to begin to sing briefly and say, I say so, Lord. Lord, you're still saving. Lord, I'm a tree of righteousness. And put me in their path. Whether I'm a manger. Whether I'm a boat. Whether I carry a cross. Here I am. Use me according to your wisdom. Again, thanks so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. God bless you.